You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. title this morning is Centered on Truth. If you would turn on your Bibles to Ephesians 6 and 14, and when you've gotten there, say amen. It amazes me how fast some people are getting there. I think they know where I'm going before I do. But I'm going to be short this morning. I don't want to take too much of your time. I know not to get between Pentecostals and supper. So it says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And while the armor of God could be a sermon or a whole series in and of itself, I just want to focus just for, just for a few minutes on just one piece of that armor today, namely that belt of truth. There's a lot of, a lot of thought went into this armor when Paul was writing. It wasn't just random and the belt of truth, it goes around our midsection. It goes around our center. Our center, our center of mass, our hips, that's where we are moved from. If you ever, I don't know if anybody in here ever wrestled or does wrestling. We certainly do not, I, I assure you, never. <laughs> but if you ever do anything with wrestling, you know that if you control someone's hips, you can move them around. You can, you can, you can push them around. You can make them go where you want them to go. And so if you ever do anything like judo or, or jiu-jitsu or anything like that, I'm not recommending it or, or, you know, swaying that way. But you'll learn that you need to protect your hips and keep your enemy from getting a hold of that center of mass. Keep him, a, keep him from getting a hold of your belt. You never wrestle with anything with belt loops or anything like that. You don't want them to grab you and move you around. we can think about that parable of the, the builders and their, their foundations. One builder built his house on a foundation of sand. If I might liken that to things that shift and change with time. There's nothing wrong with, with you know, what's the newest music and what's the, the newest book, the newest movie. There's nothing wrong with that. But we can't build our foundation on it. It's what shifts and changes with the tide. Our culture changes daily. It, it, it shifts with the new age. It shifts with new technology, with, with new ideas, new thoughts, new innovations. But we can't build our foundation on that because tomorrow that sand will be shifted again. The tides of, tides of change, the tides of time come in and that gets swept out from underneath of us and we'll be left with nothing when the storm hits. Instead, we can build our foundation on stone, on eternal truths, on the Word of God. Hallelujah. Can I tell you that if you build your foundation on the Word of God and on the truth that is in that Word of God, you will never be moved. That house will never fall. Hallelujah. You will stay strong in the storm. Amen. I've recently gone through some storms of my own, and I, I will say this for the Bible College again. I've, I've dealt with a lot this year. My, my grandmother passed away, and I've dealt with a lot of attacks on my faith, a lot of attacks on on who I thought I was, and I've had to change and grow a lot, but the Bible school has been there for me. And days that I was down, sometimes I didn't even realize that they were watching, but so many people would come to me and say, Tyler, we're praying for you. Tyler, we care about you. And I'm thankful for that. But when you're built on that foundation of stone, you'll never be moved. We'll turn to 2 Timothy 2 and 15. 
I'll really get it faster than I do. I just get it up there. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to study God's word and dive deeper into what he has to say to us every day. To know more of what God has planned for us, more of what, what God expects of us, what he's trying to teach us and tell us. When we center ourselves on the word of God, when we have that, that truth of God's word at our center points, the enemy cannot move us. He cannot shift us. He cannot lie to us. If I tell you that a foot is 13 inches long, you're going to look at me weird because it's not a foot. A foot is 12 inches long. You know that. When you know the truth, you cannot be shifted. You cannot be lied to. You cannot be deceived. They say the best way to identify a counterfeit dollar bill is to know the real one. Hallelujah. We need to get into this word of God and only, not only get into the word, but let the word get into us. Hallelujah. If you want anything to change your identity, to change who you are, it needs to be this book right here. It needs to be the word of God because as culture changes, as, as time changes, as technology changes, the word of God will never change. The truths of God will never change. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And as the word does not change, if you are centered on it, you cannot be led astray. I'm not going to take too much longer. Probably have maybe five minutes left at most, Jonathan. You're getting ready. When I was in prayer on Wednesday, we do fasting on Wednesdays, and I changed this message three times. I've known I was going to be preaching here since probably February. I knew, I think, before I left. Since February that I was going to be preaching here, and I've changed this message at least three times. I thought I knew what I was preaching, and then God changed what I thought I was going to be preaching, and then changed it again. But when I was in prayer the other day on Wednesday, I was praying through the armor of God. It was something I enjoyed doing something I feel, it brings that, that level of protection when God's armor is on us, right? That's, that's a whole new level of protection. That's not something of man, that's something of God. And I was praying through the armor of God, and I kind of just stopped on this belt of truth, and I just kind of thought about it, and I pulled up the scripture to make sure I wasn't misunderstanding or anything like that. But the belt of truth, if I could just read Ephesians 6 and 14 again, it says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Truth guards the future generations. Our children here, our, our young adults, our, our kids, I, I, was, I was very happy. I love kids. I, lo I love watching them toddle around and all the funny things they do. My youngest siblings are two, and the, my, well, my younger brother just turned six two days ago. So I'm the oldest of five, so I've gotten used to younger children. If we could turn to Proverbs 22 and 6, I love seeing children in the church and... and just knowing that there's that future generation, knowing that there's that life and that, that hope, that future that we have. Hallelujah. And I'm so happy to see all the young people in this place. In Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. When I was younger, my dad made sure that we knew what was truth and what was not truth. Belt of truth had an entirely different meaning when I told a lie. <laughs> I remember my, my dad was not afraid to make sure that we knew what was right and what was wrong. My dad was in the military. He knew what to do. <laughs> but truth guards the next generation. 
We need to make sure that the next generation is shrouded in truth, is covered in truth. It's not always comfortable sometimes. I don't like being told that I'm wrong, I'll admit. But we need to sometimes. When we raise up our young people, our children, our babies in truth, they won't ever turn away from that. I'm very thankful that I was born into the Pentecostal church. And I did walk away for some time, but I'm thankful that I had that seed of truth in my heart that always brought me back, that always had that tug on me, that kept drawing me closer to God. To have that truth that says, the world has so much to offer you, but I have something you can stand on. And Jonathan, if you want to get ready. But I just want to leave with this thought. Going back to what I said before, when we are centered on truth, we cannot be moved. We cannot be deceived. We cannot be tricked. We cannot be led astray. Any deceptions of the enemy, any illusion, any, any lies, any trickery, they will never get to you as long as you are centered on the Word of God, as long as you have the Word of God to guide and direct you. As long as you know what is true, you will never fall for what is false. We need to be centered on truth and to have on this belt of truth. Jonathan, as you come. You know, I grew up in a Middle Eastern household, so tell me what's worse, a military dad or an Arab mom? I don't know. That's all I could think when he said that. <laughs> but I am honored to be here. I thank you, Tyler, for that word. Can we just receive that word one more time? Can we just clap our hands? Yes, hallelujah. You know what the Bible says that falls with a clap is a shout of praise. Can someone just let out a hallelujah really quick? Come on. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on. Somebody let that out. There's faith in this place. And I believe when faith arises, God is ready to move. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. My God. Man, I, I am honored to be here. Like Tyler said, I am honored to be at NCC as well. Um, I honor your pastor, brother and sister Carter, and you guys have a great church, right? You guys have a great worship team, a great atmosphere, and I love it. Hallelujah. You know, in the last days, there are going to be a lot of people who fall and leave the church. There are going to be people who seem they are so strong, but for some reason, when a dire situation comes, they begin to leave. They go to false doctrine and false gods in a time where a nation will rise against nation, and famines and rumors of wars will swarm media and news. But in that time, it's not a time for the church who gets discouraged or divided. It's not a time to lose faith or hope. Because as the enemy pushes forth, the church pushes deeper in the Spirit of God, right? And when we do so, we can see God's love and truth pour out. And because of those who fall, those who remain steadfast will receive a double portion of what God is going to pour out because the Lord always rewards faithfulness. And yesterday afternoon as I was praying, God gave me an encouraging word of prophecy to His church who still stands in a rebellious world. And He said, rise up my children and take heed to my word. I am true and I am your God. I am your salvation and I am drawing near to those who seek me. I in the darkness, I am your light. In confusion, I am your peace. In chaos, I am your calm. I, the Lord God of Israel, am your God. And you worship me when others defy me. 
my God, can someone just lift up a hand and just worship God one more time? God is with His church today. Come on, it doesn't matter the destruction or the darkness the world is going through. When God steps in the midst, there is hope and there is light. Jesus is in this room today. And guess what? God is looking to pour out. And all He's looking for is a vessel that says, God, choose me. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. The nature of faith is how we interact with God and as we're opening to Him. In Hebrews 11 and 6, it makes a crucial statement saying, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In high school, I remember I had great faith to pass a test that I never studied for. Tell me if that's faith or stupidity. I don't know. You tell me. However, faith is not dependent on man, nor does it come from humanity. Faith comes completely from God. Our idea of belief does not come from us, but from God. Faith is more than just believing, but I must work out my faith in how I live, right? I don't just believe, but I, I, I work on my belief. Faith makes a connection with the spiritual. When I believe, I am able to connect with God. It's said in Hebrews 11 and 1. But as amazing as faith is, it is challenged. And if you can stand with me, I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures. In Mark chapter 4, and verses 36 to 41. And then go into chapter 5 and verse 1. And it says, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there also was with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest not thou that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you've been in my presence, yet you have no faith in me? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? And they came on to the other, chapter 5, verse 1, And they came on to the other side of the sea, into the country of Gadarinos. And what I want to speak to you today for a couple of minutes is on the topic of just faith. I don't remember how much a name, but it's just faith. And one more time, can we just lift up a hand and just pray one more time for what God is already doing in this service and what God is going to do. God, I lose your faith in this room, Jesus. Lord, you're in this place, God. Lord, we're not asking you to manifest. You are already here, Jesus. What I'm asking is open every heart, open every mind to what you are about to do. God, lose your spirit, lose your miracles in this place, lose your healings in this place, God. We worship you lord and loose my tongue in your name jesus hallelujah you may be seated see at this point in time the disciples had seen jesus perform many miracles they seen him heal they seen him restore so for anything they were in a position in an environment to have great faith right if in reality it's like it's like it's like every single day going to church and seeing people constantly get healed but for that builds your faith so much but for some reason, in a moment when a storm arose, they felt what was faith turned into fear. And they sought for their salvation despite having their Savior already within the boat. But it was not their faith that was the problem. Because sometimes we can get too focused on the storm, we lose sight of what is working within. We speak too much of the enemy and miss out on what God is showing. 
And the biggest thing about this is that your attitude will determine your navigation. What I mean by that is that when you go through a situation in life, do you focus more on the negative or on the positive? What are you speaking into your atmosphere? Because what you speak in your atmosphere then become your feelings, then become your heart, and then become your thoughts. And then you're now held captive within the storm. See, verses before, Jesus gave a parable of a mustard seed. A seed that starts small, but yet it grows into a large tree that's beneficial not just for itself, but for everyone that came to it. So Jesus knew the level of faith the disciples were at at this time. And after they got off the ship, they arrived in a place called Gadarenos. And see, you know what? I don't know how to pronounce that, but if you say it confidently enough, people just believe it's right. Come on. Which in the Greek just means rewards at the end. Meaning the storm of the disciples was not meant to hurt them, but it was meant to bless them. To open up their capacity to receive what God is about to pour out. Because in their boat, they could not inhabit it. But the second they got off the land, they were able to receive the reward of God. So the church ought to understand that when opposition comes, it's not whether or not you did something wrong. It's because God has a reward waiting for you on the other side. But sometimes there has to be a qualification for the inheritance of God to pour out. And the enemy does not want you to inherit it, right? There has to be a qualification before the inheritance. But I understand if I can get through the storm, if I can get through what I'm going through, if I can get the waves into the darkness of life, I know that when I come out, I'm greater than when I came in. I know the way I'm walking up when I walk up these stairs. And I know if I came up in fear, I'm coming out in faith. Can I let the church know when the second you begin to feel fear, get excited. Right? Faith is of the enemy. The faith is of God. I'm going to get a little too. That's why when you feel fear, like the disciples did, get excited. Why? Because that's a signal that my reward is coming. When the disciples felt fear in the boat, they knew what was coming. Because if you're digging and gone, you feel a sudden resistance show up. Whether you're mine or people. You never notice how the moment you start praying more, people around you start causing drama, right? For some, I remember, man, when I was new in church, I started praying. And I remember we went to church one day, my mom started yelling at me. And I was like, mom, what are you doing? You ever have that? You, you know, any youth in the building who right before service, your parents just scold you? Come on. And then the church preacher says, preach faith. And then it's like, oh, man, I'm feeling, I'm feeling sad right now. Come on. But if you ever watch the NBA, and I'm just, just throwing this out here, players play great all season long, right? But once the playoffs kick in, there's an entirely different atmosphere that begins to shift. It's not the same as a regular season. Every game becomes more intense, and every player plays harder. It's those moments where good players become great. But they would achieve that level of greatness if there was no opposition from other teams. Because if you rely only on yourself, you'd be limited to how far you can go. That's why right before you're about to inherit more than a mention of the promise of God, the enemy shows up. Right? Because carnal people start gossiping out of nowhere and try to offend you. Or why is it when God is working on you, all of a sudden your car breaks down? Payments come and build up upon you. See, there are four dimensions in the spirit. The first dimension is God. The second dimension is angels. The third dimension is hell. And the fourth dimension is humanity. And if you look at the story of Daniel, in the third week of his fast, for the salvation and atonement of Israel, an angel begins to show up. 
And the angel declares that on Daniel's first day of fast, he heard his words. That God heard his words the second he opened his mouth in prayer. But during that time, hell heard it too. Since we are the last dimension to receive, so the word went from God to the angelic to hell, then humanity. Because when God first speaks and angels hear it, devils hear it, then we hear it. That's why when you're living for God and fear tries to keep creep in, it's not because you're afraid. It's not because God isn't working. It's because the enemy is trying to stop what God is about to pour out. So if you feel fear, get excited. Why? Because God has something on the other end. So if you push a little deeper, if you pray a little bit more, I understand. I'm speaking to a, a past two years generation where we're in a pandemic and everything was closed. Restaurants were closed. School was closed. The normal routine of life was thrown completely out the window, and everyone just was in fear. But the church stood strong and understand in the midst of fear, there was faith. And that what we go enter is not the same way we're coming out, right? That's why Goliath tried to taunt David before fighting him. Because if the enemy can get you afraid, they can get you paralyzed. Because so take fear not as a a sign of doubt, but of faith. So as the angels and the fallen angels began to fight, Daniel continued to fast. Because Daniel understood, if I keep pushing, even while my nation is in sin, even if everyone around me is comfortable and no one else is praying the prayers I do, even if everyone around me does not worship the God that I worship, everyone around me doesn't believe what I believe. Even if I continue to just dig deeper in God, I know that what, when I'm coming in, I'm going to see something greater. And I'm just about done. The music wants to come back. I think we're doing music. No, I'm just almost done. <laughs> Constantly let your desire to be see more of God and not just a miracle. What do I mean by that? Because if you can get fixed on the face and the glory of God, the miraculous opens up. And I thought as we are worshiping this beginning of the service, God begins to loose miracles in this place. So if you have a knee in this place, God's about to need it. If you never see the gift of the Holy Ghost, you're about to be filled. And if you've been seeking a healing, whatever you've been praying for, God is about to answer why. Because when God sees that his people begin to meet him with faith, the miraculous opens up. But if people sit there in fear saying, I'm not going to worship, I'm not going to lift up my hands. Why would I go to an altar? Did you, know, did you know what I did yesterday? Don't you know that I'm just living on my parents um, coming to church? That's my, that's my lifeline. My lifeline is, is, is going to the bar on a Saturday night. My, life, my lifeline is spending eight hours of social media just to feel some sort of satisfaction. Don't you know I can't inherit what God is trying to pour out? Can I tell somebody that is a lie from the enemy? Because God's not looking for this. I don't, God doesn't care what kind of suit I'm wearing right now. God's just looking for somebody's faith. For somebody just to respond. Because if somebody can just get open up and say, God, I need this. God, I don't have to understand it. God, I'm not perfect and I'm not right. But I just need something from you today. And can I say to that, God has opened up his spirit today. And if someone responds in faith, God is going to pour out in a mighty way. So let me speak to the word of somebody today. Because just like Daniel, God heard your prayer from day one. And as the angel of the Lord took your prayer and poured out before God's throne, God began to speak. 
So don't you dare give up. And don't you dare stop praying. Look, I don't care the situation of the world. My faith is not dependent on the circumstance of the world. Come on. If my faith is dependent on a situation or a mistake, I got the wrong view of God. My faith is dependent on God's nature and God's goodness. Why? Because I understood there was a time when I was broken in sin. And a time when all I could do was cry and weep. But when I found the goodness of God, I found everything. My faith will not be dictated by society. But my faith will be dictated by the goodness and the mercy of God. If you all want to stand in this place, that's why in the midst of a storm, Jesus could rest in the boat. Because while the dark clouds were closing in and, and heavy rain started pouring in and, and winds started clashing and lightning started appearing and everyone was panicking in fear. If I want to get a little personal, while pandemics occur and violent pre- protesting becomes the norm and war, and war begins to rise and warmers of roars or all there is on media and news and false teachers and false prophets proclaim false doctrine. There is God in the midst of it. That the church can rise up and say that there is peace within the storm. That there is a salvation that lays within. Because if the church keeps pushing, what you inherit is greater than you will in your fear. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.